Hello everyone and welcome to the 55th episode of Courier Podcast. Today I'm joined with Noah Bradley. He's an illustrator mostly working on environment and landscape art from Virginia, United States. Now, with that out of the way, could you give us a little introduction on how you got into visual arts and design and art? Uh, let's see here. I kind of always drew and painted uh, as a kid, but I always kind of treated it as a hobby. It was just kind of the fun thing to do as a kid. Uh, you know, I was always kind of nerdy. So drawing cool anime characters was just what you did. Uh, so I was always doing that. And then sometime around the time uh, I turned 18, uh, I had to figure out what I wanted to do to make money for the rest of my life. And art seemed like a good idea. So I just went ahead and tried that. And, uh, yeah, then I put the next four or five years in hardcore into studying and then managed to go freelance after that. All right. And, uh, during this time that you were, you know, you said when you were 18, you decided to, you know, go through the art route, um, as a profession, um, before that, or even after that, was that, uh, did your plan in life change or from the get go, you were just going the art route, you know, completely? Um, yeah, I definitely wasn't planning on art before that. Uh, I was always treating art as a hobby before that. Uh, I was pretty good. I was pretty serious about it, but it wasn't anything amazing. And so it was really 18 or so when I really took it seriously. Before that, I wanted to be a computer programmer. Uh, I wanted to build houses. Uh, yeah, I had other options that had nothing to do with art. And uh, I probably would have been happy doing those. But for whatever reason, I picked art and here we are. Uh, by building houses, you mean architecture, right? No, actually. Oh. Uh, actually, building houses. Uh, Interesting. My, yeah, my dad has built houses his whole life, mm -hmm. and uh, I know some amount of carpentry. So, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I could always do that as a fallback option. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty good idea to always have your plan B. But, I mean, uh, <laughs> like what I'm gathering is because the... The options you mentioned, like building houses and programming, they're both like in a sense kind of creative fields as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I assume that you're just a creative person in general, like because yeah. I had the, kind of the same problem when I was like, you know, younger. I first went to mechanical engineering, there computer science, <laughs> then now I'm right. I'm trying to go full time on art. And I mean, that's pretty yeah, interesting. Exactly. As long as I'm making something, mm -hmm. I, I don't really care what it is. Uh, like even nowadays, if I'm working on like, say building websites or something, I'm just as happy as I am painting. Uh, yeah, it doesn't really matter what I make at the end of the day. Um, I just need to make stuff. All right. And, um, all right. Of course, we mentioned in the introduction that your main branch of design is uh, environment and landscape art. Um, but what is your main branch of design that you're focusing on? In like, tell us a bit more in depth, basically, because I I saw like anyone can see on your Instagram. There's also oil paintings and all of that. But basically, tell us what you're doing. Um, so I, I do love environments and I built my career on environments. And part of the reason I did that is I got pretty good at them pretty fast and people noticed them and they got me attention really early on. And 10 years ago, things were wildly different online. Uh, there were way fewer artists. Uh, there was way less stuff to look at, way less competition. And somebody who specialized in environments was extremely rare. There was you know, maybe a handful of us. And so that let me stand out really early, uh, really fast. And that helped a lot because obviously I got a bunch of jobs because people knew me as the environment guy and that's all I painted. And I loved it. Uh, I happened to find out that I loved painting environments. Um, but that said, I really like doing everything. Uh, again, like, as I said, I like just making stuff. And so I love variety. So lately I've been on a figure drawing, figure painting kick, and I've just loved that. I've done cute art for a while and I love that. Uh, I do oil painting sometimes and I love that. Uh, yeah, just as many different things as I can do. I just, I just really have fun with it. So Awesome. And um, how does your design process usually go anytime you want to start working on a project? Um, it varies. Uh, it, it it depends, but usually I go through the process of do a bunch of thumbnails, uh, which are usually done just pen and ink in a sketchbook. Um, and they're really rough, re really scribbly. And they're just for me to get ideas down on page. And I rarely show those to people. Uh, they don't look like much of anything. 
but they're really useful for me because I just, I just have to think. And even though they're just on in pen and ink and there's no value or anything, I'm thinking about color and lighting and all that stuff. Um, I'm thinking about what things are, but I'm just scribbling down some shapes to kind of remind myself what those are. And then from there, I do a bunch of digital uh, color sketches. Uh, I always sketch in color first, uh, you know, aside from a few times I'll do black and white, but I always sketch in color and usually don't do a line drawing at that stage. I'm usually just painting at that stage. So, um, yeah, from there, uh, I usually end up with a bunch of sketches and I don't finish most of them. Uh, I'll pick and choose and maybe one in every, maybe 20 sketches I do, I'll actually bother finishing. Um, I, my finished pieces take me a long time and my sketches don't take me very long at all. So I try to really be careful about which pieces I decide to finish. Awesome. And uh, now in this section of the like the podcast, uh, I want to talk about some of the general stuff that uh, you've been doing, some of the activities. And the first thing I want to ask you about is your YouTube channel. And for those who are listening right now, like uh, I checked that you've been doing YouTube for, for a while now, like a decade now at this point. <laughs> and yes. Yeah, could you tell us about that? Like, yeah, what were you thinking? It, like, how far you think it would go, or you know, basically, how was the journey for the YouTube channel? Uh, most of that decade was me forgetting I had one and forgetting to upload a video for like a year because uh, I was really bad at it, and I kind of still am. Uh, I'm like that with everything. It's part of that. Like, I need to do everything. Is I don't focus on things at all, and so I forget about something like YouTube for ages. Um, so, uh, I the first video on there, or well, at least the first one I remember, is like this four-part tutorial on like painting a snowy landscape, and it turned out to be fairly popular. And it was like my first tutorial of any type. I was still a student in college. Um, when I recorded that, the only reason it's in four parts is that YouTube back then had some like 15 minute time limit on videos or something like that. Or, or maybe you needed a certain number of subscribers. I don't know, but that's why it's in four parts. Uh, it's yeah. And I just haven't changed it since then. And I haven't updated it and it's probably pretty cringy if I were to listen to it right now, but I don't care because people still like it. And then over the years, uh, I've really developed a love of teaching uh, learning is one of my favorite things about making art. I just, I love the process of learning new stuff. That's why I'm loving doing figures right now. I just love learning a new skill. Um, and so for me, teaching is a big part of that in that I get to really share that love of learning with other people. And so over the years, I've just loved, uh, teaching. I've taught courses, I've done mentoring, um, I've done in-person teaching, I've done a lot and I've always really loved it. It's been, it's been really fun and rewarding for me. And, uh, so yeah, I've getting to do that on YouTube is, is been a lot of fun and sharing my process. And like when I was starting out, it was so hard to find resources like that. Like there were a few process videos and they were just cherished and everybody watched the same ones. And then nowadays you can just see millions of process videos and, uh, it's kind of cool. Uh, like pretty much every artist you look up to has their own videos and it's, it's awesome because you used to like look at work and have to try to figure out how they do it. Uh, nowadays you can just go and find out, uh, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Interesting. And, um, actually two, two, three other stuff I wanted to actually, uh, actually ask you in this podcast, you actually mentioned them by now. Uh, one of them is, of course, uh, the reference photos and drawings you mm-hmm. already mentioned is, uh, I'm going to get into it. And the other mm-hmm. one was, uh, God damn, I have a memory of a goldfish. Sorry. <laughs> Let, all right. Let's just, <laughs> okay. Let, I do too. Yeah. Let's just go for the reference packs for anyone yeah. who's listening. Um, like I'm not saying this stuff, you know, to be nice because it's a guest or not, but, uh, <laughs> but honestly, like you put out one of the most complete reference packs for artists when it comes to figure drawing. Like it's not just, you know, it, it, it's, uh, it's just a lot. It's, it's just super useful. And I, I, I am lacking words to describe how great they are. <laughs> Like well, thank you, thank you. I, I appreciate that because the, because honestly, like they're super. Like uh, as an artist, when I try to look for stuff, 
because I think the thing is that you, because you're an artist yourself as well, you know exactly what the artists need. And I think that's one of the reasons that makes the reference yep. packs you make are like super useful and unique and helpful. Um, so there, so basically the reference packs are for like, you know, different characters and archetypes in fantasy. There are like for hands, for just anything. Just, just go check it out. I mean, I'll put a link to the page in the captions and... Uh, another thing I also wanted to... By the way, is, is there anything you want to add to the reference packs or is there something you want to talk about in particular? Uh, well, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Right. Um, yeah, the reference pictures has been really fun. Uh, I love doing it. It's it's most of like my job these days is doing that. And I have a blast doing it because all my like last decade, I've been telling people to like use more reference and it's hard to get people to use more reference. And it's also really hard to come up with really good reference. Like a lot of the reference I've used over the years has been pretty bad. Like it's setting up a, like a phone camera on one side of the room, putting on the timer and running the other side of the room and posing. That's how like a lot of my paintings got done. So shooting like actually good reference is hard, like bringing in a model, setting up lights, having all the gear. Like, I mean, the stuff we shoot with for this reference is like, it's like six grand worth of gear. Uh, and you can't expect like art students to go buy like six grand worth of photography gear for like a single painting. Uh, it's just unrealistic, but being able to work from really good, like well lit, beautiful reference makes a huge difference. Um, like it, it's just like night and day versus like what you do without it. And so getting to like give that to people for like five bucks is is fantastic it feels really good because i know when i was starting out and i couldn't afford the six thousand dollars in camera gear uh i would have killed to have like a five dollar pack of like oh well geez i can pay five dollars and do a painting out of this i'm gonna it's worth five bucks to do a really good painting so yeah i i i really love them and also like i use them all the time myself now like it it's a great feeling. Like I hop on my computer and of course I have all my own reference and I just have this gigantic folder of reference to just scroll through and find anything I want to study of. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, I love doing it. So. $5 is super cheap. It is. If you think yeah. about it for, for something it, like that. It really is. Like you can't get much for five <laughs> bucks these days, at least, you know, here in America or anything. It just, there ain't much like a cup of coffee at Starbucks is going to push it to $5. Like yeah. it's, it's sad. Um, so yeah, we, we do try to keep them pretty cheap just cause yeah, that's like, awesome. I was, I was an art, I was an art student. Mm. Like I know what, exactly what it's like. I was cheap as anything, couldn't afford mm. anything. So I get it. And, and I want to be able to help people, uh, in situations like that. Yeah. That's uh, pretty nice. And actually I have a suggestion, um, that actually came mm-hmm. to my mind that, I swear no one has ever done this before. Like, I, like maybe they've done it a lot because I Googled it a lot when it comes to like reference packs and modeling. One of the greatest places that I think one of the most unta- that has the most untapped potential when it comes to like poses and references for artists uh, is like try to, if you could like try to find like two or one jujitsu athlete and like try to reenact different submissions and poses mm. because they are like, they're going to be super good for drawing references and especially animations. No one has ever done this. I, I actually pitched this idea to, um, I, I wanted to actually pitch this idea to the wife of my jujitsu coach. And because uh, she's really into mm. digital content creation, all that she's entrepreneurial. And mm. I don't think she would, she would go with it or anyone would, you know, see any potential in it but since you guys mm-hmm. are, are artists and know what what's mm. what's it about i highly recommend like try to actually at least look mm. into it because that's uh, a good idea like I'm for gonna, example I'm write that one awesome uh, have you I'm because just gonna uh, i'm just gonna give you a suggestion have you watched attack on titan uh i have not actually that's that's one of those like gaping holes in my like yeah. film like history of like I'd, I'd love film i love watching movies and stuff but like there's a few movies that i'm just like how did i never watch that um so yeah that's that happens to be one of them yeah i'm not gonna spoil anything but i'm just gonna say this like in some of the fight uh, animations and sequences like they exactly it's super obvious that they reference like you know jiu-jitsu athletes and moves and like yeah. and it looks so badass and cool and just ah oh, i just can't say yeah. enough and 
Yeah, that's just that's just something that I would actually look. I will I will take a look at that. Yeah, I, I actually really yeah. look forward if there's anything gonna come up from you guys in the future. And I do know some local people, so I, I can mm. talk to some people about that. Yeah, I so, think you need yeah. two people. Yeah, because for one yeah. people doesn't work. Yeah. 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 And all right, the next thing I want to ask you about is that one of your creations, The Sin of Man. I've seen it in some of mm. your portfolios and works. Mm. Mm-hmm. What's that about? Uh, tell us a little bit. Um, so <clears throat> I realized pretty early on that a lot of the paintings I was doing were kind of connected in my mind as all part of the same world. And they're all just kind of the stuff I like painting. And it turns out I like painting primal fantasy stuff, uh, really weird, uh, dramatic, epic, kind of sad uh, fantasy set in kind of a primal, prehistoric, ancient, but modern-ish fantasy world. Um, And it's just, it's what I love painting. And so I decided to kind of make a world around that. And so since then, I've done a bunch of paintings for it. And I've written some stories and poems and stuff like that. And uh, it's just kind of been a huge project that has kept me going for a long time. And it continues to fascinate me. I haven't gotten bored at all of painting this stuff. And it's a weird enough world that I can kind of fit just about anything into it, which is also pretty great. And I can also tell a lot of stories on it. And um, so I've been working on some more short stories uh, as well as some longer format um, fiction. And uh, yeah, it's just it's a really fun thing and a really weird, cool world to paint. A little something different than most people. Mm hmm. Awesome. And all right, the next thing I actually want to talk about is, oh, yeah, this this one is a thing that I forgot like a couple of minutes ago um, that about art camp and you I think that's basically the website you post like your courses there. Well, tell us about that as well. Yeah, I started art camp. Uh, oh, geez, it's probably like seven or eight years ago. Um, it's a long time. I'm getting old. Um, and it was the original concept from it was that I realized that a lot of art students during the summers would just stop making art when they're not at school. And I was like, well, that's a lot of wasted time. You guys can learn a whole lot if you spend your summers working. And I realized that from my own experience, uh, when I would, you know, go home from school, I would work all summer to get better. And that's where I learned a lot of the skills uh, that I acquired. And so I kind of developed this boot camp of, what are the best ways that I found to study? What are the studies that got me to improve the fastest? And what was it about those studies that you need to pay attention to, you need to focus on, and what are the mistakes you can do, and all that kind of stuff. And so I put together this course. It was way more popular than I ever thought it would be, and uh, extremely successful. And I ended up doing a couple more of them uh, in following years, another one based on the other studies that I had to kind of crop out of it originally. And then I did a third one on just, uh, landscape painting and everything I know about landscape painting, which is, turns out is a whole freaking lot. Uh, like there's like 30 or 40 hours worth of content in that course. And it's all just me talking for 30 or 40 hours about landscapes. So I have a lot to say about landscapes. Uh, it turns out that 10 years of painting landscapes professionally got me a fair bit of knowledge and opinions, uh, on how to do them and how to do them well. So it's been a, it's been a great thing for me. I love teaching and I love getting to share stuff like that with people. And I've been blown away by how many people have just made better art and figured stuff out. And it's been really fun. Yeah, that's uh, that's really interesting because you also have courses in like four different areas as well, if I'm not mistaken. Like, um, yeah, there are like Art Camp 1, Art Camp 2, 3, mm-hmm. Environment, Concept Design. Mm-hmm. And it, there, all the full details are in artcamp.com. And I will put that in the description and the caption as well. So if you guys want to check it out, interesting stuff. And the last thing before we move on to the next question I want to talk about is uh, something recent that I started to like, in, like involve in my interviews recently is about, well, I mean, the buzzword that's been going around, NFTs. And I actually, <laughs> <laughs> I actually had uh, like a guest uh, like 
yeah, three episodes ago, Jade Dharma Wangsa, she's like an expert at like social media and NFTs and basically mm-hmm. all of that. She's not an artist, but she's expert at like, you know, growth in terms of social media and, you know, monetizing mm-hmm. and all that. And I talked a lot with her. But basically, and I also like um, saw that on Twitter, you minted a, an NF, you, you minted a bunch of NFT forks, but one of them you mm-hmm. collabed with a music artist. Um, like basically you've been active in these areas. And first mm-hmm. of all, Tell us about your opinion and how's how's it been working for you, and any particular thoughts or opinions. Um, I think it's pretty cool. Uh, obviously, it's it's a minefield right now of opinions. Like artists either love them or they hate them, and they're so angry at each other. And I don't think there's any reason to be angry. We can talk about stuff, and that's cool. But and I'm as concerned as anyone about the environment. So it's not like I'm just like a terrible, horrible person trying to burn the environment because I want money. I I care about the environment, too. I like, you know, national parks and I get like going hiking. I'm a I'm a freaking landscape artist. Like, how could I like like painting landscapes and hate the planet? That's dumb. Um, so, yeah, all that said, uh, I think they're pretty cool. I think they have a lot of potential. Uh, I think the risks, the environmental risks of them are probably going to go away and are probably being overblown right now. But I think they have a lot of potential for ways to support artists. Um, I think they're a pretty cool platform that people can put money into uh, an artist uh, or a project or a career or something like that and eventually maybe make money off of it, which I know a lot of people see as like evil capitalism. But that's we live in a capitalist society and there's no getting around that like i would love for universal basic income that would be great uh sign me up if that ever happens cool but that's not the world we live in right now and right now we need to just play by the rules that we're given and right now uh if you know signing up for some kind of capitalistic system helps more artists live a sustainable life that lets them keep making art i am all for it and so, yeah, I, I think they're pretty cool and have a lot of potential. I've done I've done a few of them now. Um, you know, I've tried a few different platforms now and made sales on uh, most of them. And I think they're fairly cool. Uh, I even did a short uh, YouTube video on them, kind of explaining what I did and my first week's experience with them and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, I, I've had a good time with them. I'm not sure what the future looks like for them. Um, who knows? I don't know how much they're going to crash and burn in like a week, but I think for now they're, they're cool and might be around to stay. And yeah, I'm excited to see what that happens in the future. And actually speaking of the YouTube video you made and like, it's so true and crazy that how polarizing this situation, this subject is in art. Like, I, I checked a bunch. Of course, I do a background check of everyone who wants to come on the podcast so I can have a better mind, you know, who's coming on and what should I ask and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But I checked some of your videos and the NFT one has like ex- disgustingly amount of dislikes. Like, like what the hell? Dust. Chill, chill, guys. Drink tea. <laughs> calm down. hated it. People hated it. And like... Yeah, I lost a ton of followers and just for like talking about it. Yeah, and if you watch fine. the video, I'm not yeah. even like, you know, screw you, screw the environment. I'm like, ah, yeah, that that's a legitimate concern. There's two sides to the argument. I'm not sure. Like, I don't know. I'm not like a terrible person. Um, but yeah, people, it is just a yeah. subject that is just like tearing people apart. And uh, yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah, and you're not the actual only one who's been through this. Like, I mean, everyone knows at this point, Andrew Price, the Blender guru. He also, mm-hmm. made, I think he deleted it because I checked his YouTube channel and it wasn't there. Oh, really? I, I don't know, because he yeah. made a video on... People give, yeah. people give him a really hard time too, and it's so ridiculous. He's a nice guy. Like, leave him alone. He makes like, donuts, 3D donuts. He's I not know. a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and... Um, <laughs> Basically, he made an NFT video explaining about the. And actually, he I think the video was yeah. I mean, it makes sense now. He focused on the environmental aspect of it, and he basically tried to like raise points that hey, it's not that much, and that it actually isn't. And I actually discussed this yeah. uh, subject, and, and I'm and I will keep discussing this subject in the future to raise more awareness about yeah. it. Um, but basically, he got their like to dislike ratios were crazy, even like worse than yeah. your video. It was like three yeah. to four or something. It was really bad. Yeah. And he never yeah. like 
like here's the thing um i actually like there's data out there right now i mean you can check it you can fact check what i'm saying right now um but i even mentioned this in the last episode which is not still uploaded yet i mean so that's kind of wrong to mention it but anyway that's not the point um the amount of like the carbon emissions that nfts and basically cryptocurrencies all um basically produce like contribute to the whole carbon emission of the whole environment of this planet is like out of everything like less than one eight like maybe six like 0.6 or 0.8 or at most i think one place like i checked a couple places i think one of the places at the very most was like 1.2 percent i like 40 Mm. 45 percent 60 percent were like from factor animal factor farming Right. Like, like there's so much worse stuff happening in the world and you're trying to like raise the flag of like I, I don't get that so, yeah. honestly I don't get it yeah I think people get this really strong tunnel vision when something gets trendy and they can't yeah. see anything else and sure something can be a legitimate concern but it can be a pretty tiny thing like in the grand scheme of mm-hmm. things like there are causes to fight um mm-hmm. totally but it's not the only thing in the world and you also like just because somebody disagrees with you like doesn't mean they're an evil person Mm -hmm. like that you know there can be different opinions and i i think that should be allowed and we should talk about this stuff and i don't know yeah exactly and i'm just going to rephrase a quote from like uh, one of my previous guests that i mentioned her already jade and about entities she says that for brands it's the biggest loyalty tool to engage your customers to keep coming back imagine your customers all had a small piece of ownership into the brand they would feel understood and heard and also for her, NFTs are not a way to make a huge amount of money. It's finally the solution. Now, this is an important part. It's finally the solution to bridge the wealth gap for anyone creative. That, mm-hmm. I think, explains it very well. I, I really like that saying. Yeah. And, like, there's a... Yeah. It's a, like... I mean, of course, it's obvious. I've, like, dived into, the like, this whole rabbit hole of NFTs for a while now. <laughs> and... Mm-hmm. Um, and also Gary Wee said something really interesting that it, and it, what this is actually makes a lot of sense and it's true is that he says that the whole uh, attitude towards NFTs right now are really similar to attitude towards internet in the early 2000s mm-hmm. where it's a fad or even when people, if anyone at the time like were into online dating, they would be like the, they would be mm-hmm. a stereotype of cliche, the fat loser in their like sure. mom's basement or something like that. And yeah. like even the big companies, Fortune 500 companies were like, internet is like a scam, it's a fad, it will go away. It's just for right. tech nerds and blah, blah, blah. Right. And look, here we are. The whole, yeah. it's the backbone of the whole economy of the world. Like, yeah. I don't need to even say anything else. And yeah. I think it's the same with NFTs. And just one last thing to mention about NFTs, I noticed actually recently, um, is that for works, I mean, of course, I checked some of your works and your NFTs, and they're kind of like, you know, landscape, uh, like mostly mm-hmm. artworks, you know, digital art. And also one of my like good friends and also like one of the previous guests of the podcast, Samson Castellino, and he also minted his new NFT. And I gave him his advice on his, that he's going to follow through that. He also did a concept art in like a cyberpunk theme thing, but it was a flat image, mm-hmm. you know? Of course, flat mm-hmm. images sell as well as NFTs, but the thing, the trend now in NFTs is that the visual effects mm. super sure. important. Like, for example, um, like imagine one of your artworks with like added um, dynamic elements like clouds, like maybe, mm. maybe a dragon, maybe thunder, you know, something sure. like that. Man, that... Maybe that's just my observation. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's yeah. what I'm seeing is that those kind of type of stuff sell a lot more and you know get more yeah. attention. Like that seems to be yeah. the trend right now. It definitely does. Awesome. Yeah. And all right, let's go to the next question. Um, mm-hmm. Have you ever used your dreams as an inspiration for your works, or do you have any particular <laughs> dream that could come into your mind? No, uh, I have really boring dreams. Uh, I get like one cool dream every year or two uh most of my dreams are just boring and weird uh yeah i don't really get cool visuals in my dreams which is kind of sad but now my uh it's usually my waking brain that's that's the weird that's where i come up with my weird ideas so sadly not dreams i wish Mm. but god i was i'm jealous of the people that have like these super sweet dreams but nah Mm. not me yeah 
And uh, all right, next question. Who are your favorite artists and designers that have inspired you the most? Oh, geez. Uh, there's always too many. That's part of my problem. Um, originally, uh, I got inspired by American uh, landscape painters. And that's what sent me on the path that I took for the last 10 years. And so that would be Albert Bierstadt, uh, Thomas Moran, and George Ennis. And those three painters like define everything I want to do with my landscape painting. And pretty much every good thing I do in my paintings, I stole from looking at their paintings. Mm. And just seeing their stuff in person is just, it was, I mean, honestly life-changing because that set me on the path of doing these landscape paintings. And they're just phenomenally good. And yeah, um, so I, of course, still look at, you know, current artists and stuff. And the problem is, is there's just too many of them. Uh, I cannot remember how many good artists there are. It's just, I, you know, I see a painting and I've never heard of this person before. And it's like phenomenal. Uh, it used to be when I was starting out like 10 years ago, you knew pretty much everybody, uh, pretty much anybody making this kind of art, you knew it was a small circle. And in the last few years it has just turned into this gigantic thing and i can't keep track of people anymore uh like i know a few of the people that i looked at you know five ten years ago that are still doing this and of course i still love their work but uh, there's just so many these days that i can't keep track of everybody that's awesome all right i mean that's actually the question that everyone has problems with when i ask them because they're like too many you know and i mean yeah, yeah it's kind of understandable it's like you know, i don't know asking me what's your favorite video game of all time i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna probably just pause for like 30 minutes and just just can't <laughs> yeah. come up with any answer but yeah, yeah it's kind of crippling when you have so many favorites yeah, yeah there's there's so many good mm -hmm. ones yeah and all right um what is the main subject of your artworks and what the mean what made them interesting to you. Now, what I mean here by artworks, I mean the artworks that you personally do for yourself, um, not the mm -hmm. artworks you were commissioned or you have to, you know, draw. Um, sure. So, yeah, what are those? Um, so most of my personal work goes into uh, that project we talked about, The Sin of Man. And with that, I get to explore a lot of themes that I find interesting. I find early people interesting, uh, as in like our ancestors 50,000 years ago and stuff and how they lived and that. So I get to explore some themes around that. Um, I find themes around spirituality and religion and that sort of stuff. Interesting. Um, yeah, I find all sorts of surreal dreamlike qualities and existentialism interesting and getting to kind of play around with those themes in weird surreal landscapes uh is a lot of fun for me um so yeah i found my i found my weird little niche oh interesting and um what technologies and softwares do you mostly use for your works um i've used photoshop forever uh and so i still use photoshop um i don't only use photoshop though anymore uh i picked up clip studio paint maybe a couple of years ago and i really liked it and i am old and stubborn like i've been using photoshop for like 17 years like i'm stuck in photoshop i i know everything about photoshop well I, I don't i still learn new things but anyways i i love photoshop and it's pretty rare for me to pick up something new and actually like it but with clip studio paint i was like i really like drawing in this and so i started drawing in it more and more and doing some pieces in it and i really loved it and so it's still part of my process um so sometimes i'll actually do like a line drawing in clip studio paint and then move it to photoshop um and sometimes i'll just do whole stuff in clip studio paint and i really like it um i do some other stuff like i do a little bit of procreate on the ipad uh, i'm gonna try to do a little bit more of that um especially as i get back to traveling more uh, it's a pretty cool program these days and i do like drawing on there so uh, i want to do some more of that but uh yeah and then i use mostly i just paint on a wacom um and then i will just the intuos and then i got a cintiq for drawing because i find that i like drawing on a cintiq but i really love painting on an intuos mm -hmm. uh, i don't know why i'm just so used to painting on intuos i started with like an old graphire 4 like way back in the day mm -hmm. um and uh yeah i've just i've liked it ever since and i've painted on a dozen different uh intuoses over the years and always love them 
All right. And actually, I've heard a lot of people that it's weird that there's this pattern between artists that they start with Photoshop, then they switch to mostly Procreate. Like it's mm. a really popular software. It is. And actually, like the brush, yeah. the assets, the default assets of it is actually look pretty clean and interesting for illustration, especially. Yeah. And yeah. I haven't tried doing anything like mm. really painted on there yet, mm -hmm. but I think I want to try because uh, mm. I think it could be pretty cool. Um, yeah. It'd be just nice to have something a little bit more mobile friendly like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And uh, in your opinion, how to grow on social media as an artist? Uh, it depends on which social media. Uh, that's that's a big thing. Is each social media platform uh, wants different things. Uh, so if you're on Twitter, try to be as controversial as possible. Uh, post as many hot takes as possible, and trendy things that are going to take off. Um, if you're on Instagram, though, make really good art um, because Instagram only cares about art. And then be consistent about it. Uh, that's something I always screw myself over on is I'm not consistent on what I post on my page. And so, yeah, if I was more consistent of posting just the same kind of art every day, uh, I would get way more followers. Um, but my main advice for people wanting to grow and following is actually not to focus so much on social media, but to build a mailing list. Uh, I know I feel like super old school telling people to do a mailing list, but I swear it's better uh like even when i did a mailing list years and years ago it felt like doing something super old school then so i can't imagine what it's like now but mailing list is so much better i like they can't take it away from you like i grew a giant facebook page back in the day and then facebook changed and then nobody sees your post on facebook anymore and so the, all that effort <coughs> excuse me into that page is basically wasted. Whereas they've pretty much never done anything to really take away your mailing list. Like sometimes Google will filter your emails and that sucks. But um, for the most part, your mailing list is the most persistent way to stay connected with fans. And so I tell everybody to start a mailing list and it doesn't have to be much. You don't have to send out stuff all the time, but just make something free and get people to sign up with their email and boom, you're going to start growing a mailing list. And they are going to be your most loyal, um, dedicated fans that you could possibly have. And just cherish them. Don't spam them too much. And uh, I think that's that's the best advice I could give. That's actually something really interesting now that I think about it. Because you're actually the first one in the in the whole like 55 episodes that's ever said that to focus on like newsletter. Because in mm -hmm. the age right now that... Um, in 2021 when there's so many ways to get distracted online um you know if someone gives you attention to your newsletter it means they're actually interested and they have and they will put the time to read your emails and newsletters yeah. so you might not exactly get like a ton thousands of maybe over time of course sure who will mm -hmm. but um the ones you get are actually will be your audience which is super yeah. super important because most people when they try to like you know measure like the success of a movement or a page or anything they just, just they just see the following list you know that's the real mm -hmm. thing but they don't understand that the real number that kind of it's invisible in the social media is the amount of actual audience you have so I think right. focusing on building that up, like basically quantity over quality. Mm -hmm. I, I said that wrong, quality over quantity. Right. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, definitely that's the main thing. Like, for example, right now, um, I've been doing this pod podcast for a year now. And this, I, I genuinely love it. And I'm, and I'm doing it mm -hmm. because I like it. It's my passion project. Not, And by now I have like on Instagram, like 144, like five followers and on YouTube, like 22 mm -hmm. subscribers. Do I care mm -hmm. a lot? Yeah, of course, it would be nice to get a bigger artist, but no, I don't care because mm -hmm. I have like a consistent 15 to 20 people who listen and mm -hmm. give feedback. And that's much more valuable to me than like, uh, mm -hmm. I don't know, I have 2000 followers because, sure. because I have genuine like connections and audience right now. Yeah, that will I know will eventually grow. And I prefer that long city grow of growth of audience or like the sudden boom of virality of I don't know, views right. and followers. Yeah. So yeah, newsletters is super interesting. Like I'm actually interested now. To, to think yeah. about it. Yeah, I mean, I have fairly large followings on social media, but I care a lot more about my mailing list followers, mm -hmm. even though it's a smaller list, um, because I know 
I know they love my stuff. I know they're going to buy my stuff when I put something out. Um, yeah, I, it's, it's a great thing and it's the best thing I think to focus on. Mm. So, yeah. And of course with the, like the rise of and popularity of NFTs, it will breed mm. more potentials for it. You know, I think you can mm. already imagine what I'm going with this, like, like your followers or fans or even people, they can buy like a really cheap social token, like NFT token, for, a special token mm. from you. And maybe later in the future events and stuff like that, they, with that token, they could be involved in it. So mm-hmm. the future kind of looks interesting. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And next question. Um, any advice and tips for a good portfolio and resume for artists? Um, depends on the kind of work you want to get. So I would figure that out first. Uh, who do you want to get hired by? And then figure out a portfolio from there. So a concept art portfolio is going to look way different from an illustrator's portfolio. Um, so my portfolio, for instance, uh, if I was trying to get work, would be a few really nice finished pieces showing exactly the kind of work I want to get hired to do. So that's why for most of my professional career, my portfolio was a bunch of really dramatic, striking landscape illustrations. And that that was my portfolio. And that's what I based it around. That's what I got hired for. Um, I didn't show a lot of concept art, so I didn't really get a lot of concept art gigs because I didn't really want them. I wasn't going after that. But if you want concept art gigs, show concept art, show actual useful concept art. So process work, show variations, uh, show all that kind of stuff. Um, So figure out the kind of work you want to do and then tailor your portfolio based on that. And then make sure you only include your best stuff. Uh, that's another mistake I see all the time is people just include everything they've ever done and you don't need to do that. Just include the best stuff. Exactly. And usually what everyone, uh, tells in the end that, yeah, put your best stuff. But a tip that I heard a lot that I think is super useful is that they say, put your first, like best stuff at the top, second best stuff Mm -hmm. at the bottom, third, Mm -hmm. fourth, and go sandwich them. Like the middle one should be like your least favorite work. Yep. And that's the order usually people say to do that. But yeah, basically yeah. quality over quantity all the time. Oh, yes. And what are you working on right now that you can tell us about? What kind of project, project is it? Of course, if there's NDAs involved, I mean, of course, sure. We can skip the question. I'm actually, I'm actually not doing any uh, professional work right now. Uh, I am mostly unemployed. Uh, a, I'm working on, obviously, the reference picture stuff that we talked about. And so that's actually a fair bit of my income right now is just making reference and it's fun. I love doing it. So I'm just doing that these days. And then as far as art goes, I'm actually just doing figure studies. So I've been studying figures pretty, pretty consistently for God, like five or six months now. Um, and a lot of studies to hundreds of drawings and now I'm getting into figure paintings and having a really good time doing it. I realized that I put it off for the last 10 years learning like really how to paint great figures. And so I'm finally getting around to that of, I just want to paint really great figures. So my days are actually mostly studies these days. I'm going back to kind of the student, uh, phase and it's been so much fun. I love it. Um, so I've been doing a bunch of studies and posting them online and it's a lot of fun. Awesome. And what area beside the area you're working on right now, um, would you be interested to explore and learn in the future? Um, what I mean by that question is imagine you, for some unknown reason, you by like right now you had a lot of more extra free time mm-hmm. and disregard the fact that anything you wanted to do in that free time didn't cost anything. Like it's a hypothetical, mm-hmm. you know, question sure. in that free time, what would you do? Or it could be learning anything. It could be uh, anything like, um, probably right now because of COVID making the world a, <clears throat> an annoying place. Uh, I would love to get back to just traveling and shooting photos all over the world to share reference pictures of those um, cause that's actually how reference started was, uh, I was, uh, traveling the world. I would shoot all these pictures as I traveled for my own reference collection. And then I shared those with people and I would love to get back to that of just traveling to countries, going on these crazy hikes and shooting all this stuff and sharing with people. Uh, that would be, that would be my dream right now. And I would just, I would love to get back to that. Yeah, that sounds really fun. I mean, everyone's 
just wants to get out of their home hometown. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's getting, getting a little stir crazy here. Yeah, and actually, the, thanks so much for actually mentioning that because I it made me rem, reminded me of something. Like in uh, mm. their reference photos that you actually did, it's not just only poses; it's just locations, canyons, uh, waterfalls, like jungles, mechanical references. Like this. Com- it's complete and it's and I think it's going to be more complete in the future. So for anyone yeah. who's interested in like crisp, clean, like nice uh, references for their works, I mean, I, I highly recommend checking it out. I'm going to put uh, the Instagram caption of the page in the Instagram like ID in the mm-hmm. caption so we can, you know, it, it's more easily accessible. And well, with everything out of the way that we've been talking about, could you please... To conclude basically everything we discussed, could you please give us a roadmap for someone who is zero in visual arts and design and want to get to the place you are in terms of skill sets, like um, basically where to start, best tools, softwares, courses, books, anything. Like, Give us a roadmap and what steps would that roadmap include? Hmm. Um, I think most of it comes down to get really, really good at the fundamentals of art. And a lot of this other stuff will figure itself out. Um, you'll never go wrong learning your fundamentals and learning them really, really well. Uh, getting really good at drawing, getting really good at painting, really good at values, lighting, color, all that stuff, getting phenomenally good at them. Um, you can pretty much do anything after that and you can figure the rest out. And so that's that would be my priority is telling people to study those things. And those things you can study kind of on your own fairly well. There's pretty good classes on it, but study from reference, study from old masters, do imaginative work, but work on those fundamentals. Uh, and as you do that, you're probably gonna find that you start doing a certain kind of work and that's the stuff you're gonna enjoy doing. And then you're gonna end up doing more of it. But having solid fundamentals means you'll have a good portfolio. It means people will notice you when you're doing this stuff. And it means you have the flexibility to take your career any way, uh, any direction that you might want to take it. Um, so, yeah, that would that would be my main thing is drilling in on those fundamentals. I think people get too specific too early on that they want to paint X, Y, Z, and they want to learn this fancy Photoshop trick, uh, but they don't know you know, basic fundamentals with values. And that's, that's my big thing is just drilling home those points that you never get away from the fundamentals. I'm still learning them and brushing up on them. Um, and that's the thing that gets you better at art is working on those basic fundamental skills. Yeah. I mean, that's actually super important because like, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm actually more, I've always wanted to get into digital art and that's actually always been like my calling, like why I gravitated towards the visual arts and stuff. But the thing I started with like, like specialized, I started with graphic design. Then after like a couple of years now, I recently actually got into like, actually started learning the fundamentals and everything and digital Mm -hmm. art and all that at the Udemy course. Um, But what I want Mm -hmm. to say is that, like as a beginner, I like I finished the first module on the Udemy course, and I and I can I learned now how to form a study, like get a reference and find the geometric mm-hmm. shapes that it consists with, and I learned that I get good at it, and and I get excited, and I'm and I'm lazy. I don't want to go learn the other fundamental parts. I just try to mm-hmm. like draw the things that I like. Oh, which is form a and right, and yeah, I mean this is just. A, it's a common thing that everyone kind of trapped that everyone falls into. But the, I mean, the, the major thing is that, as you said already, that to focus on the fundamentals, get a good grip at them and things will just fall into place. If you just practice and move on, just do what you love and things will work out. It doesn't need to be a chore or, or something. And well, thanks so much for coming by. Uh, where can people contact you if they had a question? Uh, I try to be a, anonymous, uh, <laughs> but if people really want to contact me, uh, I do have Instagram DMs, so that's probably the easiest way. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't actually know if my email address is anywhere online these days. Uh, I'm really bad at email and I'm really bad at communication, and I'm sorry if I don't respond or forget about you. Uh, I It's just not my skill in life. Uh, <laughs> I am blessed with many skills, but... Uh, communication skills are not one of them. I, uh, I forget about everything. So, uh, but yeah, Instagram is probably the place I'm most active these days. Uh, I also have a private discord now. Uh, you can find that on my website. Um, you can find the link to it there, but uh, I have a little tiny paid discord. Uh, it's like five bucks a month 
And it's a tiny community, but we all hang out and chat and talk about art. And I'd hop in there and do some critiques occasionally. And we got an art challenge going on right now. And it's a lot of fun. So that's that's the place if you actually like want some one on one connection with me, uh, that would be the place I'm at right now. Awesome. Then I'll just put the Instagram caption of your page. So, you know, mm-hmm. if everyone wanted to message you, they could, you know, easily do that. And with that out of the way, thank you so much for coming by. And thanks to everyone who tuned in and listened. And take care, everyone. I'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye.